Welcome to Lily, the voice of Alice von Hildebrand. I'm John Henry Crosby, founder and president of the Hildebrand Project. Alice von Hildebrand, known as Lily to her friends, inspired audiences with her wit and wisdom in over 300 appearances on TV and radio. This podcast is a treasury of those archival recordings. This is the sixth episode in the series on Dietrich von Hildebrand's book, The Art of Living. In this conversation, Lily concludes her exploration into the nature of communion. Now, here's Lily. You know, let us go back to the tragic situation that so many people find themselves in. This deep Mm -hmm. longing for communion and this apparent incapacity of reaching it. Mm -hmm. Now, because of original sin, this is split in man's nature. And this has been strikingly formulated by the French philosopher Gabriel Marcel. He speaks of the me as being my own selfish individuality, which is necessarily in conflict with you because you and I constantly have different interests and different wishes. And therefore, obviously, if my me fights against your, your, your me, we're just going to have a conflict. But he says the true meaning of man is not to be understood by this me, which is Mm self-centered. It is what he calls the I-thou. When you say I, it calls for a thou, and therefore, once again, it's an openness to communion. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the whole question is to overcome the selfishness Mm -hmm. of my me. You see that in little children. I mean, there's a piece of cake, and the mother comes home with a delicious peak of case, and everyone's going to me first. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is, so to speak, the yes. instinctive yes. reaction yes. of a fallen nature. And the very moment that you <laughs> discover and love a thou, in this very moment you will rejoice in saying, no, he first. Mm-hmm. You know, this is precisely when love breaks through. Now, suppose that I were to say, I discover that my me is self-centered, is selfish, has very little concern about other people, whereas there's another possibility in me which is I open to a thou. And suppose that through God's grace, I truly establish a I-thou communion with another person. That implies that I transcend myself, that I abandon my own selfish limitations and that I open up to another human being, which is a deep longing that all of us have deep down because how infinitely sad If on my deathbed, I'll have to say I've never loved anybody and I've never been loved by anybody. You know, this is a foretaste of hell. As you said very, very well a moment ago, hell is characterized by the fact that you're absolutely, hopelessly lonesome. And you have chosen it, so to speak, by centering completely (coughs) on yourself. Now, suppose that you meet another person through God's grace, you discover the beauty of his thou, you approach him reverently, a communion of love is established between you and leads to a deep friendship or leads to marriage. That word love is with freedom. It has so many different meanings. And for the modern mind, often just love among young people too, it just means sexual encounter of some sort. I mean, that is the first tragic illusion that exists. So maybe I should say a couple of words. Thank you for the remark a couple of words about the essence of love. Well, first and foremost, you love when you respond to the value of the beloved. 
not simply to what pleases you, to which is fun, which is attractive, which is delightful, but to discover that there is an intrinsic value in the other person that calls for reverence. Love is a response to what is lovable. But this lovableness is not a subjective lovableness. You know, sometimes I can say, I love to be with Joe, he's so funny. Well, obviously, this is not a foundation for communion. I mean, yes. discover an <clears throat> intrinsic nobility and goodness in the other person that touches my heart and makes me love. The moment that you love, inevitably, a flow of goodness is going to open up in you towards the beloved. You know, in Italian, there's a very beautiful way of, pu of putting it. When you love another person, you see in Italian, ti voglio bene. You know, I wish what is good for you. I have a kind attitude towards you. I care for your good. I care for yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, this is obviously a typical characteristic of love, that when you love another person, you do not want to hurt this person. You want to do him good. Yes. And this implies the whole scale, you know, from giving him things that pleases him or sharing his interest or showing concern about his sufferings or what it might be. And ultimately, in Christian terms, it means to care for the salvation of his soul. And today, when you hear so many people say, you know, we have to be compassionate. If someone is falling into grave sins, we have to be compassionate. Indeed, we should not be pharisaical. And the danger of pharisaic is in each and every one of us. How many times have I discovered to my horror and sorrow that there are pharisaical traits in me, which must be overcome through God's grace. So being a Pharisee but, is a hypocrite, you're really saying. You're, well, but obviously, yeah. if I know that someone is living in sin, true compassion implies that I do everything to try to the pull him out exactly. of it. Right. You know, exactly. this mm -hmm. is true love. And mm -hmm. I cannot simply say, well, my dear friend, I know that you have cancer. Or, you know, for goodness sake, I'm not going to do anything about it because this is your mm. own thing. But I'm going to try to convince him to undergo treatment or to do certain things that are going to help him. Now, if I see that someone is on the way to perdition, well, obviously, I should not be preachy. Obviously, I should not say to this person, I'm infinitely superior to you because I've never done that. But lovingly, compassionately say, I love you so. You're harming yourself. Have mercy on your own soul. So therefore, it belongs essentially to love this selfless interest in the person's welfare. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, there's a desire to be with the other person. Right. You know, and this, of course, in human relationships implies physical closeness. I cannot say, uh, you know, I feel very close to you and you are my friends, but I hope never to see you again. <laughs> this is absolutely impossible. The moment you love another person, you'll have to say, I hope to have the joy of seeing you again. If you turn to supernatural love, it obviously implies an ardent desire to see everybody in heaven. You know, this is why it is said in the yes. prayer that we pray may, you know, have mercy, especially those most in need of their mercy. Let us all meet in heaven. You know, the peak of viciousness is to say, I'm going to treat you very nicely, but I hope you go to hell. Mm. You see, if you love another person, true love is to say, let us meet together in eternal life. You know, that is true love. But obviously, in the case of a young boy and a young girl, you know, who commit themselves for life in a, in a Christian marriage, this would imply 
the closest union that can exist between two human beings on a human plane, mm -hmm. namely to become one flesh. Now suppose that this is established, it is given to us. It doesn't mean the dangers are over, because one of the great mistakes that we make is that when we fall in love and we love another person deeply and sincerely, to believe now it's all going to go by itself. Yes. There must be a reawakening every single day. We take one another for granted, really. Well, that's a very important, we'll have mm -hmm. to mention about that later on when you speak about gratitude, for example. But in, in also to fall, yes, to fall into the dreadful temptation called habit. Now, habit is something that plays a legitimate role in human life. You know, you and Dad do many things by habits. I recall when I was four years old, I was a very clumsy child, and for the first time I managed to get dressed alone. That was quite an accomplishment, and it was yes. very difficult. Now, I must tell you that I have no such problem. I've done it for quite a few years, <laughs> and to get dressed, I do it by habit. I'm not going to say, what do you have to do next? Same thing when you drive a car. You know, the first time I drove, I said to myself, goodness, what's going to happen next? What do I have to do with the shift? Now, today it's no problem because I've driven a great deal in my life and then obviously it becomes automatic. Our spiritual life should never become automatic. You know, this is why my husband challenged uh, the wrong interpretation of virtue as being a good habit, as if yes. you did it just yes. automatically yes. and spontaneously. You see, the very moment you turn to a spiritual life, there must be a daily reawakening. You know, if I were to say to you, of course, I receive Christ every morning in communion, you know, it's a habit that I have formed, and the next day I don't even know whether I have done it or not. That would be an insult to the Blessed Sacrament. Mm -hmm. Now, the great danger in marriage is when you get married, the first time you share a bedroom with your beloved, your heart is trembling in reverence. How is it possible that this be given to me? and then you get used to it. Yes. And the very moment that you get used to it, obviously we've been married for five years or 10 years or 15 years, and you allow habit to kill your reverent appreciation of this tremendous gift. You know, instead of praying, how many of us, let's be sincere, how many of us say to God, give me the, the gift of wakefulness, of awakeness, of gratitude. My nature is so dull that I appreciate things and then after one I forget about them. This is a catastrophe and is the ruin of very many marriages. And then obviously, when you're used to something, it becomes dull. And when it becomes dull, you're looking for something which is more exciting, yeah. and then you meet someone else. Yes. And there is the whole problem of newness and excitement, and you know what is going to happen next, you don't quite know, whereas with your spouse, you know pretty well what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, yes. and then you fall into adultery. Thank you for listening to Lily, the voice of Alice von Hildebrand. We hope you enjoyed this episode. New episodes of Lily are released every week. Please share our podcast with your friends and family, and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to support the production of this podcast, we invite you to become a monthly donor or to give a one-time gift. To donate, please visit hildebrandproject.org forward slash giving. For more information and updates, follow the Hildebrand Project on social media and sign up for our newsletter in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and helping support the legacy of Alice von Hildebrand. <laughs>